Hey, good people. It's your girl, Vera Smith-Winfrey, and I'm back with a special episode of the No Good People podcast. This week, August 25th through August 31st, we recognize Black Breastfeeding Week, a national movement which aims to end the gaping racial disparity in breastfeeding rates while also encouraging diversity in the lactation field. This year, BBW honors the need for rest with the theme, The Big Pause, Collective Rest for Collective Power. As a Black woman who breastfed for 18 months, I remember it being a rewarding experience and I treasured the time I had to bond with my son, Ellis. I also remember several friends reminding me of the importance of resting and taking time for myself. As a new mother, I was grateful for the advice, although I struggled with the follow through. To help us learn more about Black Breastfeeding Week and how our communities can all help educate, advocate, and celebrate its importance, I welcome today's guest and my sister friend and Wonder Woman, Milan Spencer, reproductive justice advocate, a birth doula, lactation educator, public health professional, and breastfeeding advocate. Welcome, Milan, to the No Good People podcast family, and I'm glad to have you speak on such an important topic. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me, Vera. It's great to be here. Great. So, Milan, tell us about you, where you're from, and how and why you became interested in being a reproductive justice advocate. Sure. So I am uh, Milan Spencer. Like I said, thank you for that introduction as well. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Um, lived there all my life up until about two months ago when uh, my family and I moved to the Atlanta metro area in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so my career in public health really began um, really early on as an undergrad at UCLA. Um, I realized very early that I wanted to do maternal child and adolescent health work. And even further than that, I wanted it to be centered within the Black experience and the Black community. Um, I remember being in UCLA undergrad and volunteering with an organization who is still very um, active in the reproductive justice and birth justice movement now called Mm -hmm. Black Women for Wellness. And um, Black Women for Wellness, they were having a meeting and they were doing a lot of great work with moms um, and women who were HIV positive or who had AIDS. Um, And these women were still, you know, birthing and raising children and having families. And I remember sitting in a room and in a meeting next to these beautiful Black women um, who looked like my mother. Mm -hmm. And who were raising families and dealing with HIV and AIDS and the stigma that goes along with that. And I just knew then that the work that I want to do in public health has to be centered um, within the Black diaspora and the Black experience. And that starts with maternal child and adolescent health. That's foundational. Um, And so then I moved into becoming a public health professional my career, most of my career has been in Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, mm-hmm. doing a lot of work with African-American infant and maternal mortality uh, disparity, addressing the disparity that we see. Um, if you guys didn't know, Black women and babies are three to four times higher um, or three to four times more um, likely to die in childbirth 
um, or during pregnancy or up to a year after birth than our white counterparts. And then sometimes in some areas that disparity is five to six times higher. Wow. Um, so that's huge. It's like our moms, uh, moms and babies, black moms and babies dying. Like that's something that we really need to jump in and address because that, mm-hmm. that's, really, that's who we are as a people, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't get here without our mamas and we need our babies to continue our legacy, right? Right, right. So that's what I do. And it's exciting um, to be able to address something that affects me and my family personally. Um, I don't look at this work as a numbers game. Um, there's a lot of data being shared in meetings and each one I, I look at as someone that I may know, a woman that I may know, mm-hmm, a black mm-hmm. mom that might be in my family. It's touched my family personally. Um, so th- uh, that's why I do what I do. I am committed to this work and it's a passion of mine. That's amazing. I mean, not just, as it's amazing to hear those numbers yeah. Um, because I think a lot of people don't even wear, you know, the seriousness of it. Yes. Um, particularly if it doesn't impact them or if it doesn't, right. you know, if they don't know somebody that this happened to, um, right. then it's always somebody else. So that's really astounding to know that those numbers are that high. Right. Um, so let's get into depth about the Black Breastfeeding Week. Yes. Can you share the history and the importance of the campaign? Sure. So Black Breastfeeding Week um, is... For, so it was founded by a woman named Kimberly Aller-Sears. And the reason why we need a Black Breastfeeding Week, uh, you know, it may be obvious to some, may not so much to others. Mm-hmm. For over 40 years, there's been this beeping racial disparity in breastfeeding rates. Some of the most recent CDC data that we have is that about 75% of white women have ever breastfed versus 58% of Black women. Um, And that's just uh, a fact that the racial disparity in the initiation of breastfeeding, and there's even a bigger one in the duration. So meaning um, there's a lot less Black women that decide to breastfeed Mm -hmm. and a lot less that decide to continue. And why do you think that is? I mean, have you, I'm sure there are surveys and why they don't breastfeed as long. And what are some of the reasons? So I think we have to look at it in a number of different lenses. I think that because we have such a high rate of infant mortality, Black infant mortality, which is uh, Black babies dying um, during or immediately after childbirth, Mm. I think that plays a, a role. We tend to have lower or poor birth outcomes. And so when we see poor birth outcomes, there's a lot of factors in place there. Like our babies tend to be going to the NICU um, immediately after delivery. And having a baby in the NICU is a challenge. It's a challenge to Mm -hmm. initiate breastfeeding in the NICU. It's a challenge to, you know, start pumping and keeping up a a milk supply while your baby is in the NICU. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming out the gate, our babies are having a harder time, right? Um, another reason that we're seeing the disparity is that there's a lack of diversity in the lactation field. And I know, mm-hmm. um, even if you can't relate to breastfeeding or the experience of breastfeeding, I think all of us can relate to the experience of going and accessing medical care or going to a doctor and really feeling more comfortable with doctors who are black or who look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're accessing your care. And that's the same idea when it comes to accessing 
lactation support. And it's one of the reasons why I decided to become a lactation educator because um, it's a very personal time for a family. It's a very vulnerable time for a family, especially when um, they're accessing lactation services because they're having a hard time. And it it it's important and it helps to see lactation professionals that are Black. And there's not a lot of lactation professionals that are Black. There's not a lot of diversity in that field. I think there's, I think we're coming into some practices that are pushing towards more diversity. And I think that's going to, we're going to see more of it in the years to come. But um, this lack of diversity plays a, plays a role in breastfeeding initiation. Um, and then cultural barrier. I think we cannot discount or discredit how much um, slavery in this country has impacted us as a whole. Mm-hmm. And um, that huge impact, we still see the effects of it today. Black women who were enslaved in this country were forced to be wet nurses for their slave masters and mistresses which meant that often the mistress would um, time her pregnancies along with her her slaves. Mm. And when those slaves gave birth to their babies, um, they were forced to um, nurse the the white babies, their white slave master's babies, to the detriment and the malnourishment of their their own own babies. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so if you look, and think about what that must have been like and the trauma. It's reproductive violence, but there's also trauma and pain surrounding that, that practice of being forced to do that. You're nurturing a baby and you can't nurture your own baby. You can't make these choices. You don't have the freedom to make um, Mm -hmm. choices for your own children. Uh, That's extremely painful. And I know that their pain and trauma gets passed down generation to generation. And I think that there has been a period of time where we have turned away from breastfeeding because of the trauma associated with it. I would agree with that Um, because it really wasn't discussed with me even during my pregnancy. And that's just 20 years ago, right? So 20 years seems like a lifetime ago, but it really isn't. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, And I don't recall anyone coming to talk to me about breastfeeding at all when I was in the hospital. And it's interesting you talk about going to NICU because, you know, I had an emergency C-section. I had a lot of um, anesthesia um, Mm -hmm. and my son was in, you know, was in the nursery, uh, not with me. And I had a very difficult time um, producing milk while I was in the hospital. And it wasn't until... I went home four days later um, that I was able to begin to produce milk. And mm-hmm. while I was in the hospital though, I felt very much like a failure mm-hmm. yeah. because I couldn't figure out why I wasn't. And the only thing the doctor kept telling me was like, well, you know, you've had a lot of medication, you know, mm-hmm. don't worry about it, but not really addressing how I was feeling, if that makes right. sense. Absolutely. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. And I think a lot of a lot of Black women, their experience is is very similar, if not identical, to yours. In that in that in those spaces, um, and and what really what's key here though, is that breastfeeding can be used as a tool to combat a lot of what we're seeing in terms of um, birth outcomes mm-hmm. and and this disparity. 
So if um, black bre increased breastfeeding could decrease infant mortality rates by as much as 50%. So How that's why, as really? much as 50%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when, so when we're talking about like having a black breastfeeding week and, and, and advocating for breastfeeding and being a breastfeeding advocate for me, it's life or death. Like that can make or break a family. And mm -hmm. I think that the more black families who understand the power within breastfeeding, the more they understand that, the more we understand that, the better off we'll be. And that's one way that we can start to chip away at this disparity is by promoting breastfeeding. So there we have a week for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, we are weak. I, I don't like our week to be very um, all gloom and doom and sad. Right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> right. We have to talk about the facts and we have to talk about the why. You know, there's mm -hmm. always a, a reason. Um, but the week is also there to celebrate and promote and to make um, families who are breastfeeding, women who are breastfeeding, individuals who are breastfeeding, make them feel comfortable doing so. And I think our community has a lot of responsibility to make um, breastfeeding and, and a woman's breastfeeding journey pleasant. I think um, even if you've never done it, it doesn't touch your family directly. Um, you've been out and about, you've been in a restaurant, you've been at a mall, mm -hmm. you've been shopping, and you know, you've seen families out with their babies. And you need to make sure that, especially if you own a business or if you're out and about just being a regular patron, you need to make sure that you are being welcoming and understanding and a safe space for any family mom individual that wants to whip out her boob and breastfeed her baby. That's what they're there for. Mm -hmm. um, that's what they're designed for. And babies need to eat and feed on demand. And we need to be a lot more accepting of that in our community. Very much so, very much so. So what does BBW, or what is the work that they do to minimize some of these disparities and also to educate the community? So Black Breastfeeding Week, um, it really is a wonderful thing that is now um, nationally recognized. So during that week, you'll see a bunch of activities, um, a bunch of programming and highlighting of Black breastfeeding. And I, I would say at the core, it's to normalize Black breastfeeding. It's okay. to normalize it. I think at the more that we see something and the more we see something celebrated, um, it becomes a normal occurrence for us. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a lot of work right now um, on a campaign for Los Angeles County. We're doing the Breast Chest Feeding Welcomed Everywhere campaign, and it's launching during Black Breastfeeding Week, which, as you mentioned, is August 25th through the 31st. Black Breastfeeding Week is always the last seven days of August. Um, and this year, we came up with this really great idea um, Along that vein of normalizing breastfeeding, we wanted to take some candid shots of breast and chest feeding families out and about in the community, just living life, um, minding their own business and feeding their babies. And we, we had a wonderful two day shoot, a photo campaign um, with breast and chest feeding families that came out. We got pictures of them just in their element with their children, with their partners, breastfeeding, and it was amazing. So we're going to um, launch 
those photos um, online during Black Breastfeeding Week coming up. Some of the hashtags that we will be using if you want to see what, what's going on there is obviously Black Breastfeeding Week 2021, hashtag Black Breastfeeding Matters, and Black Chest Feeding Welcomed Everywhere and Breastfeeding Welcomed Everywhere. Um, those hashtags you can look up and and um, browse our campaign. It was it was a really beautiful thing to be able to access. It sounds like it. Yeah, access businesses in the community. We shot in Compton. We shot we shot in um, South LA, and we had some black businesses open up. We shot at the grocery store. Um, and we just had a, a wonderful experience with these families just out and about showcasing um, how normal it is to be out and, and nursing your baby. And I think the importance here is that um, the community as a whole gets to see, you know, just how normal it is. Mm-hmm. And then the community starts to embrace and be protective of it. And that's the goal. And that's one of the goals of Black Breastfeeding Week is just to show that, hey, Black people breastfeed, Black families breastfeed. Um, this is something that is normal. This is something that is encouraged. It's something that is supported. Um, and the more we do that, the more um, the more breastfeeding we'll see in our community. Like it starts to become the natural way as opposed mm-hmm. to the, oh, it's wonderful that you're breastfeeding. Like it, be, it starts to become the natural normal way as opposed to, you know, I'm not knocking formula and bottle feeding, like of course, everybody of course. has to make the choice that is best for them. I am not knocking that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I'm saying is like once, like formula companies have, they, they found a really good way to normalize um, formula feeding for their marketing purposes. Like they, they, they were able to sell a lot of formula normalizing that. And so I think on the flip side, we need to start normalizing um, what it looks like to feed your baby naturally from from your own body, right, right, which is natural, and natural. it's it's also a comfort to babies, yeah, as well, right. So we know that yes. skin to skin is comforting to babies. So yes. the same way that breastfeeding would be comforting to babies as well. Yes, it's a comfort, and it's a there's a reason. Um, you know, it's nutritious. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and there's a point of time. Um, the they were we want you to be exclusively breastfeeding for the first six months, like baby, you know, aside from any medications that baby may need, baby really doesn't need any other nutrients for the first six months mm-hmm. except for your breast milk, if you're breastfeeding. Um, and then beyond that, you do introduction of foods, um, age appropriate and stage appropriate foods, along with breast milk for the remainder of that first year. Correct. And then from there, you know, babies can, you can introduce, you know, water, you could introduce um, milk alternatives, and you can continue your breastfeeding journey if you and baby feel comfortable doing that. And as you continue, um, baby is accessing the breast for not just nutritious um, value, but also, like you said, for comfort um, and for a safe place. Like that's like their true north with mommy. I have a one-year-old right now. She's um, like 14 months and she's been super clingy lately. And she's just been on just nursing nonstop. And it's not just, I don't even think that she's like suckling, getting milk out. And a lot of times she's just pacifying or just, mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's what happens like when babies, they hit their milestones and they want, you know, just, just to nurse and be comforted. And there's a reason why pacifiers like this, this, she's my third child and she's my only child that did not take a pacifier. Um, my other two did. <laughs> she was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's a reason why that pacifier looks like a nipple. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, that that breast is a comfort for for the baby. And so when you have um, like a bottle or a nubby or a patty, like it looks like a nipple for a reason. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what's a comforting to them. So let me ask, um, you know, you talk about um, for those families who choose this path, or who choose mm-hmm. to nurture this way. Let's um, let's talk about the families that have to go back or women that have to go back to work, but still Mm -hmm. want to be able to nurse. Yes. Can you talk about that transition and how you support those women? Yeah. Or those families? Yes. So um, I think this is one of the the biggest barriers um, support that women and families sometimes have around returning to work and continuing their breastfeeding journey. But I will say that it is possible. It's, um, and it's something that you, you can do. Just know your rights around this issue. So for example, um, yes, the women and families, they tend to, you know, we tend to be worker bees in this country. We most, most have to return to work after a period of time after giving birth. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I did it with, with every one of my babies and, Um, the key thing here is to know that, um, there are certain things that I always tell my families and my moms is it is your right to be able to feed your baby and to work outside of the home. That is your absolute right. So they should start already thinking about, I would say a month before you return back to work, start thinking about what that's going to look like and also have a talk with your employer or research what they have in place regarding lactation spaces. There are so many people that I know that have returned to work and been told, oh, you need to go pump in your car. You need to go pump in the bathroom. Or no, you do not, you can't pump at all because Mm -hmm. we're not giving you breaks like that. And those things are, um, in the state of California, um, is that's illegal. But also on a federal level, that's illegal. Now, there's different rules around it um, in terms of how many um, paid breaks you get versus unpaid breaks, but you're never to be told that you cannot pump your breast milk here. And it is illegal for them not to have a space other than the bathroom for you to go and pump and have privacy. So just look into what your state says about that. And look into um, what your company, the company that you work for, what um, what provisions and accommodations they have in place, and um, start start thinking about that, and then talking to your employer about it if you need to escalate to HR because sometimes your actual supervisor has no idea, but HR right. will know, you know. And so I I I be be a squeaky wheel. If you need to, um, but talk to HR and say, hey, I'm returning to work. These are the accommodations I need to be able to pump and feed my baby. And they 
should be providing you with the proper accommodations for you to pump as necessary at work. Um, and you can still do that and maintain uh, your 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 milk supply. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're away from your baby, you know your baby needs <laughs> milk when they're not in your care. Right. So that's a way you know that you still supply that milk to your baby. It's okay to still obviously latch baby when you're home in the morning before you go to work. I would do a morning session and then I would go off to work, pump during the day three to four times. I think three times was my top. And then I would come home and I had three bottles, which coincided with the three bottles that my baby took in while I was gone away from them. And then I, I nursed and latched the rest of the evening. And it, and it works just like that. But if you're ever having um, issues with an employer who is not wanting to accommodate your lactation um, requests, then um, you need to escalate that higher. Um, I can provide some links and some information, um, some legal information about where you can go to seek help if you are, are being um, given a barrier in terms of your, your pumping at work. That's great um, because I want to make sure that our listeners know those links and have those resources available to them. And so I'll be sure that when this um, episode is released, um, that will include all of those hashtags as well as those links as part of the episode too, because Absolutely. like you said, it's, it's incredibly important for people to know um, that there are people out there working on their behalf Yes, yes. and what their rights are. Yes. Um, so what are some of the ways, and I, well, actually, let me go to another question. You oh. also mentioned um, um, normalizing chest feeding. So you said breastfeeding, yes. then chest feeding. Can you please explain the difference to those people who've never heard that before? Yes. So, and I'm glad you asked the question. Um, So right now we're, we're entering, um, I think a really cool space in life where, um, where people are identifying and being able to, to tell others like how they identify what is most comfortable for them. So saying breast and chest feeding is inclusive of all individuals who choose to nurse or um, feed their babies their own milk from their own bodies. Not everyone identifies um, as a femme presenting heterosexual woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that space, because of that, or because of how someone may, may identify, they're not necessarily going to identify or resonate with having breasts. So okay, got it, got we, it. we say chest feeding to be inclusive of individuals who provide milk to their babies from their bodies, but they don't necessarily, um, identify with having breasts. Got it. Got it. So what are some of the ways that our listeners can support and get involved? So I think one of the main ways you can support easy, easy, easy (laughs) is that just know that breastfeeding is a journey. Um, It's not necessarily easy. And the first thing you can do is be supportive of it. Be supportive of anybody in your life that chooses to breastfeed. Be supportive of anybody in your life or outside that you see just on day-to-day on the street 
breastfeeding, make it a safe space for them. Don't ogle, don't give them the, the side eye and, <laughs> and, and make them feel crazy because they're right. their baby in public. So the first thing we all can do is make it a safe space for anybody that is breastfeeding their baby, chest feeding their baby out and about, make it safe for them. If you want to know more information about disparity um, that we're addressing and how we're um, creating tools and programs and space to address this disparity, you mm-hmm. can go to um, blackinfantsandfamilies.org. And blackinfantsandfamilies.org, um, it really does highlight all the work that's being done with First 5 LA, LA County Department of Public Health, LA County Department of Mental Health, community-based organizations, um, private funders, community members. We're all rallying in into um, doing work that addresses this disparity. And that is where our Black Eating, Chest Eating, Welcomed Everywhere campaign is going to launch this month, um, starting on the 25th. So if you access blackinfantsandfamilies.org, you can find ways to tap into um, being a part of community action teams. You can become a virtual um, supporter, meaning that you don't necessarily have to live in Los Angeles County or Los Angeles to be a part of this. Um, If you wanna know more information just about disparity, what's going on and how it's being addressed, there's a wealth of information there. Um, and our campaign is going to have a landing page there. So I encourage you guys all, if you do nothing else, um, to go to blackinfantsandfamilies.org um, August 25th through the 31st of this month to check out some of the cool pictures that we have of our families that are breastfeeding and chest feeding out in the open, out in the community. And each day we're going to highlight some issues and topics around Black breastfeeding in this country. So we're going to definitely address um, the big pause and the rest, which is um, the theme for this this year's Black Breastfeeding Week. We're going to talk about um, how Black breastfeeding and chest feeding is activism. We're going to talk about um, feeding your baby in public, the laws and the rights. Um, we're going to really break down a lot of what I just explained a little bit earlier, what to do if um, you feel like your laws and your rights are being infringed upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does it mean to be a business that welcomes breast and chest feeding families? And then we're going to talk about like our doulas. And um, I, I actually named this, I think, Vera, you should, you'll be able to pre- appreciate um, one of the topics I named when I look at you, I see myself. Oh, uh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I named it that. And it was really, we kind of talked about it. We touched on it a little bit earlier here, but. Um, it really is increasing diversity and um, Black lactation specialists in the lactation field. Like we have to see ourselves in our lactation professionals mm-hmm. or um, we're just going to turn away from it. I have had some wonderful lactation support in my journeys and I have had some not so wonderful lactation support. And I can tell you that much of the difference is having someone who looks like me, who understands me, who understands my family who understands what I've been through um, culturally, historically, all of that, that has really made the difference in my breast, my breastfeeding journeys. So we're gonna talk about that as well. Now, will this year incorporate, um, I think they did it last year, like a million milk march too? A million milk march? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually, and I'm happy you brought that up. So 
we, and I want to plug another thing that we're doing in Los Angeles. We're doing a, a Black Breastfeeding Matters walk in Los Angeles on August 28th. It's going to be the Saturday of Black Breastfeeding Week. And the walk is kind of like that, um, what you just mentioned there. So we want Black breastfeeding families, we want them to come out, um, celebrate, take, participate in this Black Breastfeeding Matters walk, August 28th. And we're okay. going to be doing a route in Los Angeles, um, around the Crenshaw Lemert district. And it really is about visibility. It's about, about visibility, making sure that um, our families are seen, our Black breastfeeding families are seen. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I don't know how, how large scale it's going to be because, you know, with this COVID surge, we are right. really trying to be also protective um, and make sure that we make really good decisions around um, being together in spaces um, because that we were going to go in and kind of canvas businesses. But I don't think we're going to do that. Um, but it is a chance for some vis- for, for some visibility. So um, the the walk is Black Breastfeeding Matters Walk August twenty eighth, and we are um, it's sponsored by um, our South LA South Bay African American Infant and Maternal Mortality Initiative mm-hmm. um, and Soul Food for Your Baby. Um, Elizabeth Woods from Soul Food for Your Baby. She was um, the visionary for this walk. And she has also been on our planning committee for Black Breastfeeding Week for South LA, South Bay. Mm-hmm. But we're just really excited to, to have this walk. And, you know, it's a chance for anybody driving by, anybody um, that's in the area to stop by and to see that this is a movement and it's a part of the culture and it's something that we want to start seeing more traction with. Like we want families, the husbands, the partners, cousins, grandmas, aunties, we want everybody to start being um, um, inclusive of this breastfeeding journey for, for all our moms and all our individuals who choose it, yeah. And what about families who adopt a baby, adopt a newborn? Yeah, so it's there's this interesting phenomenon that I don't, I'm not extremely versed in, but it's called um, relactation or induced lactation. Mm-hmm. So you can induce lactation. I, I have heard of adoptive families um, inducing lactation. It's hard and it's not guaranteed, um, mm-hmm. but there are techniques you would have to definitely work with. Um, a lactation consultant, board certified, and um, a medical professional. But there are ways to induce lactation. Um, and I, I know that there have been families that have been successful in doing it. Um, okay. The easier route would be a human milk bank. And yes. there are, yes, yeah, so there are human milk banks that are popping up all over the country. And I know that a lot of work is being done to have them be accessed through hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another on the flip side, they're also um, working to get a lot of the NICUs connected to human milk banks for the babies um, who have moms that just that just cannot pump or cannot, you know, for whatever reason, that baby still gets human milk. But these human milk banks, you can tap into um, and I would I would look into it and wherever you are in the country, see if you have a human milk bank, a donor bank close to you. Um, especially if you're fostering or if you are adopting a, a baby, because um, 
I, human milk for babies, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, some people, it's like liquid gold. <laughs> it's like liquid gold. Right. And, you know, if we think about it, like, why would we want to like give a baby, you know, formula? Yes. But there, there are instances where people, they kind of recoil about human milk. And I'm like, but cow's milk comes from a cow. Mm-hmm. Like you're giving them, like, it's a human, yes, but it goes through um, a process of um, pasteurization. It's safe. Um, and it's human milk is for human babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think that any family that is interested in that, I commend them. And I would just say, look into it because there are human donor milk banks that you can tap into. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. So you know, tell me, what do you think, or what would you like your legacy to be, um, Milan, as a, as a reproductive justice <clears throat> advocate, you know, um, as a breastfeeding advocate, what is it that Milan wants her legacy to be? And then what does BBW hope that their legacy will be? That's a really, it's a really good question. So what would I want my legacy to be? Um, you know, when I think of my legacy, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me not to think of my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of like what I want to leave on this earth is for them. Um, but I would say like in terms of being a doula and a breastfeeding advocate and a reproductive justice advocate, I want my legacy to be one of encouragement and um, how do you say, like, I don't want... I don't want, I don't want it to be, I don't want people to get bogged down on, it's wonderful to know the history and where we've come from. I think that's so important mm-hmm. to know what triggers and what traumas are there. Um, but we are resilient. And when people think of me and, and what I've left behind, I want them to think I can do this. I am resilient. Um, I rise up. I rise to the occasion at all times, and I want them to feel encouraged in their Black womanhood. I want Black families to be encouraged, and I want um, Black children to be encouraged. Like, I'm literally like, some, you know, I, I say it in jest, but it's really real. Like, I am I am working to save the lives of Black moms and babies. And so at the end of the day, I want that to be my legacy. I worked to save lives of Black moms and babies because we we are so important, we matter, and we literally are the foundation um, for us as a community and as a people. So that's really what I want my legacy to be. Mm -hmm. Um, For Black Breastfeeding Week, um, I think that I would really honestly love to get to a point, I didn't, I wasn't a founder of Black Breastfeeding Week, but I understand why it was founded. Mm -hmm. I would really like us to get to a point where we didn't need it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, just being real, you know, like where we didn't need the Black Breastfeeding Week because the disparity is gone, um, the awareness is there, it's normalized. Um, I love it, and I hope that we do get there, um, yeah. where that is really solely just for education purposes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And like you said, and for celebrating, mm-hmm. um, you know, celebrating boobs. Yeah, celebrating <laughs> boobs. Right. And like. 
Yeah. And like now I think we do a good job of having some balance because we mm-hmm. do celebrate it. We, you know, our black breastfeeding week, we celebrate the beauty of black breastfeeding, but it's rooted in a lot of crap. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot of crap that we've had to endure. And that's just being honest. Um, so when you guys think, or if you, if you choose to tap into what's going on with black breastfeeding week, just keep that in mind. Like we can celebrate and we can party and do a lot of things um, as Black people in many spaces, but, you know, we often have to contend with the why and the why we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, a Just, whole... I know, a whole yeah. nother episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a whole nother episode. <laughs> it's a whole nother episode, right. And hey, and hey, I'm okay with having that whole nother episode. Okay. Because um, yes. so I think much. it's an important topic. Right? Yeah, there's and, so much. Um, and, you know, and when I, I always tell my guests and my listeners that when you come to the No Good People podcast, no topic is ever off limits. Yeah. So um, I'm I think that's good. I think yeah. that's good that we can have another episode about that. So tell me where and if people would like to donate. Yes, uh, I would say First Five LA is really great. Um, we work very closely with them. I would also donate to Black Women for Wellness. They are our backbone organization mm-hmm. for um, the, the African-American Infant and Maternal Mortality um, initiative that we have going. Um, you can volunteer with BlackInfantsAndFamilies.org. There's a, there's a, um, there's a, an, an area on their website where you can volunteer. Um, and get involved. And what else? What else? Black Mamas Matter organization, a really great one to donate to. Um, there's just a wealth of things out there. I like. I, <laughs> I'm hesitating because I don't want to miss anybody, but also yeah, like, right. like no, there's no. so many that you can donate to. But I will say this: if you're going to donate, do your research about the organization. Make sure they're rooted in. Um, reproductive justice, birthing justice, and they're centering Black women. And I would say centering Black women and Black women-led, okay? Okay. Um, okay. And make sure that they are actually doing um, the work that is important to you and Black women-led. I, I can't stress that enough because there's a lot of, you know, organizations in this space, especially now that it's becoming more popular, mm-hmm. um, but they're, you know, there's been a lot of organizations that have been doing this work from for for decades, um, and we don't we want to make sure they're being centered and, and they don't get pushed out by larger um, organizations that that come in because now it's the new sexy thing. But yeah, you can find me online, um, Omi Dula Los Angeles on Instagram or Facebook, um, Milan Spencer six one six at gmail.com if you need an inquiry or ask me a question um, or at Milan Rouge on Instagram. I am really good there as well. I, I tend to answer all DMs that are pertinent. Um, so yeah. And the hashtags again? The hashtags that we are using for the week is Black Breastfeeding Week 2021, hashtag Black Breastfeeding Matters, Hashtag breastfeeding welcomed here. Hashtag chest feeding welcomed here. So those are our hashtags for the week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your being here today. Of course. 
And, um, and again, for sharing such great knowledge and wisdom about this topic. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the No Good People podcast. Want to share your story? Cool. Hit me up at nogoodpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Vera Smith Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people. The No Good People podcast is co-produced by Diana Guzman Productions and So Very Vera Productions. The No Good People podcast can be streamed through Apple, Spotify, and other selected streaming services. 